Welcome to Hindu Insights. My name is Ankur Patel from Los Angeles, and I'm the Director of Advancement for Hindu University of America. With me today is Phil Goldberg. You may know him as the author of American Veda, and he's actually been teaching courses at HUA, including an upcoming summer course on an autobiography of a yogi. Welcome, Phil Goldberg. Hey, great to be with you, Ankur. Thank you, thank you. So why don't you just get started by sharing your journey and what put you on the dharmic path? Well, um, I was uh, a product of the 1960s. And uh, anybody in your audience is too young to remember the 60s, I will just say that everything you heard about it is true. And it was a, a very wild and crazy time. And I was young and I was, uh, at one point, consciously became a seeker. You know, I was very disillusioned with life as it was presented to me and with <clears throat> the activities and values I was supposed to adopt. <laughs> and none of it made sense. And I started asking the big questions of life, like, you know, many, many of my uh, counterparts. And for some reason, for, well, they're not just some reason, for various reasons, the, uh, the teachings of the East, the Dharmic teachings. First, I got interested in Zen Buddhism and then Vedanta and yoga and all the, all the, the philosophical framework that was born in India in the ancient days and was preserved and modernized, um, I started reading about it because uh, respectable and in, in some cases revered Western thinkers were writing about it. And I was devouring those books and that led me to the original sources, to the Gita and the Upanishads and all. And um, at that same time, you know, gurus were coming to the uh, West uh, and um, modern technology made everything more accessible and I just couldn't get enough of it. It just drew me as speaking to uh, the kind of wisdom I was searching for. And what impressed me because I had been raised by atheists, I had no interest in religion. Um, and I was rebellious enough not to want anybody telling me what to think or believe in. And the way the teachings of the, uh, the Indic teachings were presented was, um, you don't have to believe this stuff. It's not an act of faith, it's empirical. These are truths that the rishis and the sages have discovered and you can, Test it out for yourself. See if it holds up to your to logic and reason. See if it if the experience that the yogic methods promise and and make available. See if they work for you. And so I took up yoga. I took up meditation practices and pranayama practices, and it changed my life. And that just the proof was in the pudding. My life became better. 
and I want to know more. I wanted to experience more. I ended up uh, becoming uh, uh, one of the early uh, teachers of transcendental meditation. I you know, spent a lot of time with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and I kept learning from other sources as well, one of which uh, was Yogananda, because the autobiography of a yogi was one of those books that <clears throat> people like me were devouring, not always buying, because we didn't have any money, but we borrowed them from one another. And I, oh, I should, it's not within reach, but I have still have the copy of Autobiography of a Yogi that I read in 1970. And I have moved a lot over the years and it's still with me. And I always joke that it, um, it was, it's a hardcover and it, on the jacket, it says $5. And that's what it cost back then. But I wouldn't have had $5. So I'm pretty sure that I borrowed it from someone and never returned it. And so I, I say that I wrote about Yogananda and I teach this course about Yogananda and autobiography of a yogi to work off the karma of ripping off uh, somebody's somebody's copy of the book. But that was my beginning. And I never became a disciple of Yogananda's. I had my own path, but he was a big influence, as were you know, a host of other sources in those days. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you got on this path, regardless of that first book, you're paying it forward and sharing so much knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> I, I feel it. You know, me, uh, growing up as a Hindu in Los Angeles, I did feel like it was an act of faith. It wasn't empirical for me. And and the way that you, the truths have been discovered, you tested it for yourself. Um, I don't know. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? The difference between well, the act to of me, faith that's, that's one of the hallmarks of Hindu Dharma, also and Buddhist Dharma, all the teachings that arose from India, that's one of the hallmarks. You know, Buddha famously said, don't take my word for it, as I'm paraphrasing, test it out in your own experience. And all the gurus who came here said the same thing. All the commentaries I read about Vedanta, Yoga, Buddhism, they all said the same thing. And that meant a lot to me. I mean, it's even... You know, occasionally I lecture about the Gita, and one of the last verses in the Gita blew my mind when I read it, because after all these incredible teachings that Krishna gives to Arjuna, at the very end, he says, I have now given you these great secret teachings. It's up to you. You either, either follow what I said or don't. And I thought, that's so cool. It was not like, you know, you'll go to hell if you don't do what I say, or, you know, you have to believe this dogma or this doctrine. No, it was all freedom of uh, thought and, uh, and respect for evidence. And the evidence in this case is one's own inner experience. And these you know, teachings were meant to change your life and make them better, and they do. Um, but also the, the knowledge base, uh, it holds up to the, to the uh, experience and to logic and to uh, scientific inquiry. 
you know, not long after I got on this path, uh, people in science started, you know, they saw young people like me uh, take up yoga and meditation and all that and, and our lives changing for the better. And so people started doing experiments on, you know, what happens when you meditate, what, you know, and physio physiologically. And I was actually a subject in one of the fa famous early studies. Uh, and when the evidence came out, when the results were published in scientific journals and then made their way into uh, popular magazines, things really changed, you know, you know, and now there's thousands of studies and, you know, the ordinary healthcare practitioners recommend these practices. And so that, that, that was the origin of it. But, you know, all the teachers said the same thing. You don't have to convert to Hinduism. You don't, you don't have to be a Buddhist. You, you can be whatever you are, a Christian, a Jew, an atheist, a secularist. But these teachings hold up as philosophy or psychology and um, practical, you know, uh, interventions. So that that was very important to me in those days. That um, <laughs> I was not being forced to into a belief system that didn't hold up to uh, inquiry. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the big frameworks we've been looking at, right? The paradigm of power versus the paradigm of knowledge, right? Going from the ancient wisdom that was passed down to the peer-reviewed scientific journals. But also, it feels like you don't have to be Hindu, but sometimes some of these ideas are being disconnected from the parampara, from the lineage, from the... And that's why I really yeah. appreciate you sharing your own journey, how you got there and, and that aspect of it. So maybe you could touch on that, the paradigm of yeah, knowledge and versus the paradigm of knowledge and the parampara. And the that's lineage. an interesting... It's an interesting breakdown. Um, and, you know, and it's not that in Hindu Dharma is totally absent, you know, or... or uh, immune to corruption <laughs> or misuse and uh, mis misconception and misunderstanding. You know, we've, we've seen evidence of that. And there, you know, a, a lot of the gurus I wrote about who brought these teachings to America and reached use of power uh, has largely been a, a sub-issue. It's not been, you know, um, the in the the. Uh, it's not been a front and center in in a, in in ways that say um, that have affected other traditions, and people have been able, you know, the, there are people who were wounded by misbehaving gurus, you know, especially in the '60s and '70s, but people have learned from those experiences and uh, approach the teachings in a, in a more uh, sensible way because of it. Yeah. And, uh, great, great, yeah. Phil. So we're going to continue this conversation with Phil Goldberg. I'm Ankur Patel. Um, don't forget to follow Hindu University of America on social media, study at HUA. Uh, quick commercial break. We're going to continue our conversation with Phil Goldberg when we come right back. Thank you for being with us so far.
Welcome back to Hindu Insights. I'm Ankur Patel with Phil Goldberg, talking about the paradigm of knowledge, not the paradigm of power. Phil Goldberg is going to be teaching a course on an autobiography of a yogi at Hindu University of America. But let's jump back into kind of the trajectory. You've read so much, like you're saying, you're devouring books from the 60s onwards. Um, and, and you talked about some of the books that kind of gave you that framework. But just please share maybe some highlights, how you got into it. I love the story about how you kept the hardcover from the 70s to this day. Um, it's true. And, and when I teach the course, I use that copy. I have three other copies and, you know, updated uh, versions and all that. But I still have that because I have all my underlinings over 50 years. But um, yeah, that was a key book. And, and I have to say, you know, when I... After I wrote American Veda and I realized, um, uh, and I wrote a chapter on Yogananda, uh, his life was so interesting. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, has anybody ever written a real biography of Yogananda? And it turned out no one had. And I thought, well, as soon as I mention it, everybody says, well, why would you write a biography? He's famous for having written autobiography of a yogi. We already have that. So I reread the book and I realized how much he left out. He left out a lot. Big passages of his life were dismissed in a sentence, you know, and I said, oh, you know, there's so much more here. And so I dug in and wrote a biography of Yogananda and discovered all these incredible things about his life and the circumstances of his work in the West and everything else. And, uh, and little bits that you never hear about, like the, you know, he was he was a subject of the British Empire, you know, at the time, and uh, they were spying on him. <laughs> they were suspicious of him. You know, there was all kinds of things going on. But anyway, I, so I wrote that, and then uh, when the idea came up, because it was the seventy fifth anniversary of Autobiography of Yogi. Uh, to teach a course on it. I jumped at it because it was an opportunity for me, again, to go dive deep into the book, because when you teach about something, you, you, you read it differently. And, you know, I don't know how many times I've gone through that book, but I kept finding new, interesting things to highlight. And so we go through the whole book, uh, you know, nine, 10 chapters a week for 10 weeks, and I bring in all the stuff I learned uh, that's not in his book. And that's not usually talked about or written about because his life was very rich and complicated. And uh, there are important lessons for all of us in not just the philosophy that comes out in his book, but in his uh, example of how he uh, lived as a, you know, a deeply spiritual person in the modern world, in the West, which is, you know, a challenge <laughs> we all have. Uh, so in answer to your question, Autobiography of a Yogi was a, a, an important book. The, at this moment, I, I'm looking at maybe 15 different translations of the Gita that I've acquired over the years. And reading that early on, was very critical because it was presented to me as like a, a Hindu uh, sacred text or a 
you know, the Hindu Bible. And I expected a lot of, you know, heavy-handed dogma. But the practical nature of it and the sensible, reasonable teachings in it just it, it absolutely blew my mind. And uh, so that's been a touchstone piece of literature ever since. And some of the Upanishads I keep going back to. But it was also very important at that time, and still is, and I, I wrote about this a lot in American Veda, that there were um, Western people, important philosophers, important thinkers, important scholars, and psychologists uh, who had become um, attracted to these teachings and wrote about them and adapted them to their own work and their own disciplines. So people like Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau, who were idols of mine, when I discovered they you know, were deeply influenced by India, I thought, well, God, that's, um, and, but then more uh, modern people like um, Alan Watts was an important figure and uh, Joseph Campbell, Aldous Huxley and Christopher Isherwood, who, you know, all these people who wrote about Vedanta from a Western perspective that I could really relate to. Uh, and had, you know, they were people I'd already been familiar with. So it meant a lot that those people, and then later people like Ram Das, you know, who had been a big time, you know, psychologist named Richard Alpert prior to becoming Ram Das, all those uh, books and articles, I couldn't get enough of it. I, I, I was having trouble in school because I only wanted to read that stuff. The rest of it seemed, you know, a waste of time, honestly. <laughs> I had to really crack down on myself to pass courses. But um, so that, that, that blend of the original sources and the commentaries about those book, the sources and the philosophical and psychological elaboration of the teaching by brilliant Western thinkers. That, that was very important in establishing the legitimacy and respectability of Hindu Dharma and Buddhist Dharma in the West and in my life. So I mirrored that, I was a part of that. And so when I wrote about it, you know, I had the direct experience. It was not just theoretical. Yeah, and now you've taught a few courses at Hindu University of America, including how Hindu Dharma transformed America, right? right. So, so much of what we've been talking yeah. about is part of that course. And what I love about teaching that one is because it's online and we have this modern technology, I can play recordings and videos of some of the people we're talking about now and some of the gurus. I can play Yogananda and his voice, as I do in when I teach the autobiography of the yogi course, um, that may, and show pictures and all that. It makes it, it it makes these things come to life. So I yeah I, I've got to do that course and now upcoming the course on autobiography of the yogi. There is of course similarity; they overlap. Um, but digging into autobiography of a yogi uh, has been, the first time I taught it was 
really rewarding because I was learning new things. And some of the students in the class during the discussion would notice certain things in the text and bring them to our attention and maybe things I overlooked or didn't realize had uh, the impact they did on, on people who were reading it. And then I get to bring in all the supplementary stuff that's not in the book that amplifies what Yogananda chose to write about and, <laughs> and what he chose not to write about. <laughs> Right, right. Like you said at the start, right? He dismissed maybe or didn't cover whole swaths of his life. And you got yeah. into that idea that, you know, the wise man knows he knows nothing. You start digging into it and the more you know, you don't know. Oh. And in that way, that's been my journey with Hindu University of America, right? The orientation to Hindu studies course didn't have any, I didn't, clue with the depth and the history and the vastness of Hindu civilization in the knowledge systems. And now course by course, quarter by quarter, I'm getting into it. So let me just make sure that our audience knows, join us on this Dharmic journey, learn, yeah. get that empirical knowledge and wisdom. Join a course with Phil Goldberg, who breaks it down. <laughs> he's, he's great to be around, fun to participate with. And the classroom dynamic, even though it's online, is definitely something that you don't want to miss. So Phil, uh, we got a couple more minutes left. Um, maybe, how would you like to, you know, take home message for our audience. Well, first, I want to say what you just said, if I can just add to that, I have found over the years, you know, because of American Veda, I, I've gotten to know, to my great delight and pleasure, uh, a great many people in the Hindu American community. And of course, people in India, I, I lead tours in India. So I meet a lot of India people in India. And I, I just have a lot of love for that heritage. And it's fascinating to me how many uh, people of Hindu descent uh, in India, as well as in, but especially in the West, um, don't know that much because, you know, they were raised in secular families or where the spiritual aspect of, of the uh, Indian tradition is just uh, a small part of life and not a big one. And, uh, you know, they're many of them well-educated in scientific fields. And, and then, and maybe as I did, you know, disregarded that aspect of life as, as a young person, it's like, oh, that's for grandma. You know, it's her superstitions and all that. I've heard that a lot. And it's wonderful to see, you know, uh, uh, facilities like HUA reaching people with the richness of this. Uh, and, and it's, you know, you see it with people from other traditions as well, but because of the uh, particular nature of the Hindu Dharma um, and its, in, its compatibility with science uh, and, and reason and empiricism, that, you know, I when I gave lectures, I did a speaking tour in India about American Veda, and they kept asking me to speak to student groups, and I couldn't understand why. And they said, because you come from America, they'll listen to you, whereas they don't listen to their parents. And so I was busy telling them about how much there is to be gained from their own heritage, which was a weird thing for me to be doing. But now, you know, it's great to, to see that happening. Um, I would just invite everybody listening to uh, 
enroll in courses at HUA and uh, particularly my upcoming course on autobiography of a yogi will have a good time and you'll learn a lot that will not only enrich your understanding of uh, that book, but by extension, you know, all of that uh, Hindu Dharma and the the great teachings that come from India uh, have to offer and what they uh, what they highlight about how to live a good life and um, and learn about a, an incredibly interesting life in you know as it was lived out by the person who came to be known as Paramahansa Yogananda. Yeah, and you're living an interesting life and people should like pay attention and participate. So I love it. Thank you for joining us today on Hindu Insights. Uh, Shrifil Goldberg. Um, don't forget to follow us on social media handles on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They're all study at HUA. The website is hua.edu. Please do enroll in Phil's course. It's going to be a great time. Contact us on the contact page. We'll be in touch with you either way. My name is Ankur Patel. Thank you for joining us on Hindu Insights. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>